0: I'm Chris Hewitt and welcome to another Empire Podcast interview special. Udo Kier is one of those guys, we call them the 27%ers at Empire. They're the supporting actors who enhance any movie or show that they're in by roughly, roughly 27%. The German actor is a legend who, over the course of his near 50 years in the film business, has racked up an astonishing Christopher Lee-esque array of credits, having made over 220 films and worked with some of the best directors of all time. He's worked with Rainer Werner Fassbinder, Gus Van Sant, Lars von Trier, Alexander Payne, S. Craig Soller, David Lynch, Vin Vendors, Michael Bay, and many, many more. And when I say his career is Christopher Lee-esque, I'm referring, of course, to the numerous times he's played a vampire, including films like Blade and Blood for Dracula, part of a duo of films he made with Andy Warhol and director Paul Morrissey back in the 1970s. Those films, and numerous others he's made, take advantage of Keir's charisma, stillness and regal qualities to create memorable moments aplenty. This man shows up, weird is about to happen, and even if he only shows up in a film for the blink of an eye, chances are you're going to remember him. Thankfully, in Todd Stevens' Swan Song, which is in cinemas now, he shows up for more than just the blink of an eye. In fact, the film offers Keir his first major leading role since Blood for Dracula and Flesh for Frankenstein, and allows him to strut his funky stuff as Pat Pitzenbarger, a gay man who has essentially given up on life and is awaiting death in a care home in a small American town. When Pat, a retired hairdresser, is given one last job to make sure a former client who's recently passed away is looking simply splendid in her coffin, he gets a new lease of life, setting off across town on an odyssey, during which he reconnects with his past, sets right some wrongs, and rediscovers his inner spark. Keir is fantastic in the role, which may be the richest and most complex of his career. This is a guy who has done it all, seen it all, and has the anecdotes to prove it. As I found when I chatted with him on Zoom recently, this interview was meant to be part of last week's regular Empire podcast, but that would have been a condensed version. I was given 20 minutes. We ended up talking for just over half an hour. Udo's first answer was more than 15 minutes long. And so I wanted to bring you Udo in all his glory, chatting away 10 to the dozen about his great life and career. And folks, believe me when I say we barely scratched the surface. So here he is, the great Udo Kier, improving this podcast by at least 27%. Enjoy. Thank you for doing this, Udo. Congratulations on the film. Thank you. It's a fantastic film a fantastic performance uh, as well. Uh, I'm, sh- I'm sure you're hearing that a lot these days. And you have been for the last year or so. Lots of people praising this, this performance.
1: Yes, it was like uh, when I got uh, uh, the script. And then I read it twice and I called the director in uh, uh, Ohio and I said, I would like to meet you. So he came down here, Todd Stevens, and we spent the afternoon and I wanted to see how he sings about certain things in life. And I liked it. And then months, months later... I, I mean, I agreed when he, when I met him, that I do the movie, mm-hmm. and then months later we, uh, we did the movie, uh, and uh, I had an amazing time, and I we agreed that I would be uh, uh, before shooting a day or two in the retirement home on my own, no camera, no director. And because I wanted to get used to my bed, I wanted to stand by the window looking out to see the trees and the birds, and then the people living there. So we did this. And basically also we shot Chronological, Mm -hmm. which of course is in a movie you do a movie in Los Angeles, it's impossible that you shoot chronological <laughs> because they have uh, to do the set. Yes. You know. And so that's how I started making the movie. It was uh, amazing for the p- uh, part of Zindaski where we shot the movie. It's one street which goes to the water where the boats, the ferry boats, They uh, leave to go to the, um, how do you say, amusement parks. And uh, then in that street we shot, there were on one side, there were the second hand store, across was the theater where I worked. So everything became basically... That street was our studio. There wasn't any money for containers and <laughs> trailers and all that. So we shot there. And once, uh, by surprise, I got that green suit, which I wear in the film. Yes. I loved it. It reminded so me on my time uh, in England. Uh, Kings Road and David Bowie and all this uh, kind of Twiggy, all this kind of thing. When I was living in England, and so I had that suit on most of the time. Even after shooting, I went to the bar on the corner, and the barman called me Pat, uh, Chardonnay. Yes, thank you. So I became, (laughs) I became, Pat became alive and I learned, I learned a lot from his friends who are still alive, some Mm -hmm. of them. And they showed me how to smoke a cigarette and hold my hand. They showed me how to walk and they showed me, they taught me a lot of things which was my teachers to learn how to become that person, basically. And I liked it. That's a very important issue. I liked it to go back in the past because when I grew up in Germany and working uh, with uh, Fassbinder for many years, and it was also a lot of people, AIDS came, a lot of people died. so uh, for me to go back in in time, the old man goes back where he was a famous uh, hairdresser. He went to the gay club where he performed. which he does, of course, you have seen the movie. At the end, he performs again under the uh, you know. So that for me, this film was and is very important. I didn't. I did not. For one moment, uh, expected that it'd be such a success. And that is the best. I mean, I'm working as an actor for 50 years. Mm. And it's the best critic I got in my life. With a little film like that, like the New York Times wrote on a page, finally, Mr. Kier, after 50 years, becomes a leading man. And I said, What? (laughs) I I made Dracula and Frankenstein for Andy Warhol, and I was the leading man. But they were right, the journalist was right. That was my first American film where I had the main part, shot in America. And so now the only negative thing about it is now I have to, look out for main parts. Yes. (laughs) You know, there will be, there will be, there will be. And I'm very, very happy that I got in uh, Dublin the award Best Actor from the Festival Best Actor, so Monte Carlo Best Actor. I mean, it was unexpected. And uh, it's amazing that a little film in so Two weeks or two and a half weeks shooting that uh, can leave such an impact, and for me uh Chris, it was I tried not to act yes I because and uh, with thought, we agreed that I don't go over the top, you know, I didn't want to wave my hand in the air talk differently, I walk with my shoulder left and right. I didn't want to do that. And I'm happy that I didn't do that and that the director didn't want it. So that made the character more following the character in good moments, in sad moments, and in funny moments. And yeah, I'm very very happy that uh, I did this film and now it's showing in England and in England you know I got discovered. I, I went to London because I was born in at the end of the war 44 October and it was very 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 poor time and my mother and myself we lived alone no money and Then with uh, 18, I just uh, asked her permission to go to England because I wanted to learn English because we didn't have money to send me to high school. It costed money. So I went to England and I went to Oxford Street St. Giles School to learn English. It's a beautiful day, isn't it? (laughs) Isn't it? I always said, why do I always have to say, isn't it? Uh, I know you very well, don't I? (laughs) It was always the question. And then one day uh, uh, I met somebody, Mike Saren, who was a singer. At that time he was famous for a song, Come Outside, Come Outside. And uh, he said, I'm doing a film in south of France, called Road to Saint-Tropez, and I would like to offer you the main male part. And I said, I don't know how to do that, because I didn't want it to be an actor. Mm. Uh, I wanted to learn English, to be a, a foreign correspondent for maybe Bayer who de- created the aspirin in Germany. I wanted to travel, meet the world, meet yes. people. And then I went to South France, I, start, I said yes, and I did the movie, and it was very amazing because the camera was always so far away from me. And I said to myself, why are they so far away? And I was, what I did is I was just looking where the camera was. So I was looking, looking, but I didn't know I was in cinema scope. On screen like that, and the film came out because that time I was in London. Uh, before your time, uh-huh. there was always a short film and a feature film. Yes, and my film was a short film uh, being shown with the film "Funny Things Happen on the Way to the Forum." Oh my that word! Was a famous film, and my film was in front, and then the newspaper. Uh, wrote uh, The New Face of Cinema, The Most Beautiful Man, and William Morris, the agent, uh, signed me up a contract worldwide. So, and I like, as a poor boy, I liked the attention. Mm -hmm. Uh, So I became an actor. So, (laughs) (laughs) and then I made my first real feature film called Mark of the Devil, with the British actor Herbert Lom,
0: wow, who was
1: very like, famous at that time, and I watched him working, and I learned a lot from him. And this film, people still watch that film, *Mark of the Devil*. Uh, so, and that's uh, was the beginning of my career. Then I worked. I remember when I was uh, sixteen in Cologne, where I was born in mm-hmm. Germany. Mm -hmm. Uh, with a beautiful cathedral. And I met a young man called Fassbinder, Rainer Werner Fassbinder. And we we just watched people. But then later on, I was in London then, and I saw the magazine, the double page, saying Rainer Werner Fassbinder, the genius and the alcoholic. And I thought, oh, that's Rainer. So we met. And you offer me the first film. I said no, because I didn't like the part. And then we start working together. So the, all my people, you see, I'm a lucky man. All my people I have met like that. I was yeah. sitting in an airplane <laughs> uh, and there was a man next to me. And he said, what do you do for a living? Like American people always want to know. <laughs> what do you do for a living? And I said, I'm an actor. But when I said I'm an actor, I showed him already a photograph of myself.
0: You had a photograph.
1: Because I was a new actor, I was insecure. So he looked at the picture and said, oh, interesting. Give me your number. And he took out his American passport and wrote my number on the last page in his passport. There was no other number. So I looked at him from the side and I said, who are you? He said, my name is Paul Morrissey. I make <laughs> movies for Andy Warhol. And a couple of weeks later, I got a call. Uh, hey, it's Paul from New York. You remember the man from the plane? I'm doing for Carlo Ponti. you know, the husband of Sophia Lorraine. I'm doing Frankenstein in 3D, and I have a little role for you. And I said, oh, wow, that's great. What do I play? He said, Frankenstein. So I became Frankenstein, meet, meeting Andy Warhol and his beautiful Dachshund dog called Archibald. Yeah. And we did so to, to that film. And then I did right away afterwards Dracula, which wasn't planned. And that was an important film for me because I moved from a regular newspaper to glamour. All of a sudden, I was in Vogue <laughs> because with Andy holding the little dog. So, and then I, uh, all the people I met, uh, Chris like Lars von Trier. Yeah. Uh, before uh, he had made one movie, Element of Crime, at a festival, and I saw the film. And my film, the short film, was in competition with his. And I said to all the directors from America, well, we can't go home. They said, what do you mean? I said, whoever made that film, Element of Crime, is going to be the winner. And they said, you think so? <laughs> I said, yes, of course, he did win. And we had a, a couple of beers together, and a couple of a couple of weeks later, I got a call, and he said, I'm doing Medea, a script by Carl Theodore Dreyer, and I would like... Uh, you to play King Jason, Medea's husband. But he said, there is a problem. I said, what is the problem? He said, you don't look like a Viking. He said, don't shave anymore. Don't wash your hair and come to Copenhagen in three weeks. So I went dirty to Copenhagen and I got the part. (laughs) And that was I became the godfather of his child right away, his first child, and since then we may we worked together thirty years. I just worked with him a couple of months ago doing the kingdom, oh, the last episode of the kingdom, yes, and in the beginning, I was little brother, now I was big brother thirty <laughs> years later, so that's that's it. All right, now it's your turn. Any questions? No,
0: I'm done, Ludo. I'm fine. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I am good. No, there's, there's, there's so much to ask. There is yes, so much I'm to doing, ask. I'm doing so,
1: uh, I'm so inspired, so many interviews with Japan, with Australia. So I, I, I just have to press one button, <laughs> button in my brain and it just comes all out, out, out <laughs> like, a, like a river. It just floats and floats. I
0: didn't. And, I didn't want to inter- interrupt you. You were. You were on a. You were on a. You were in the groove.
1: <laughs> yes, I was a little waterfall, you know, the <laughs> the fall. Go, no. and so uh, I have a film now. Yeah, going to Locarno. Uh, uh, it's called my my neighbor Adolf with David Hyman from England and yes. me. With the two actors, he lives in a house in uh, Argentina or Colombia, and next to him moves a man in me with a German Shepherd, and he goes to the Israeli embassy and says Adolf Hitler moved in next to me, <laughs> and he said excuse me he died long time ago, and uh, so that film is in Locarno in competition only as I said basically two actors, David, uh, Hyman, and myself. And then I did, where I'm looking forward, I did a TV show with Al Pacino called Hunters. Yes. And in Hunters, uh, I play the most evil man ever lived, German, of course. (laughs) And, uh, (laughs) And I live with my wife. Uh, Eva Uh I live with Eva in Argentina and I get discovered by the Jewish people and then there is a trial and I'm in six or seven episodes and that comes out uh, uh, at the end of the year
0: fantastic so
1: that that is basically what uh, I did
0: that's great and And, and did you get scenes with Al Pacino in that Udo? no no Okay,
1: because in the second season, the first season, but in the second season, he is a lot in flashbacks. Mm-hmm. And I wasn't in the first season, only in the first season, you see at the end a man in a brown suit, the famous special brown, and he gets up the staircase. And that's supposed to be then Adolf, yes. And then I was Adolf, I didn't want it. I didn't want to play because I have played Adolf Hitler about four times, Iron Sky, uh, number one, number two, uh, but I was always comedy. And I always was thinking when I played Adolf Hitler about Charlie Chaplin in The Dictator yes. kicking, kicking the world. and. And that was the first time they wanted me, they offered it to me, and I said, uh, uh, I said, no. And then I uh, talked to, I have nice, uh, I mean, nice, I have good uh, good uh, friends, they're Jewish. So I called them and I said, I have a question, I supposed to play Adolf Hitler, uh, can I do that? They said, all the same, they said, does he still have power? Yes, is he still evil? Yes, then play him. <laughs> so, <laughs> so that's, that's how I came, uh, you know, because if I would have been uh, out of crying and say, "Oh, I regret what I did and all oh, that be oh, very horrible. so that's is what's coming, and uh, i'm I'm and unfortunately. I'm not in London, mm-hmm. I wish I could go in London and go and have in the pub in Piccadilly, having under, underground, a little beer. And <laughs> 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 that would be... go, go to in Soho to the Greek and Italian restaurants, and go to the movies. Um, Leicester Square, but that's not happened. I would so, love
0: uh, to see a documentary. I genuinely would. Udo Kier's London would be fantastic, where you just take yeah, us around and, and
1: there, you. Sh- and say, how can it be changed? What is? Why is there so much traffic at Hyde Park? And what's happened in the Dorchester? where I was with the manager of the Beatles, Brian Epstein. What happened to all these people?
0: <laughs> oh, my God. You, you met Brian Epstein. Did you meet the Beatles, yes. Udo?
1: Yes, of course. I went, <laughs> I went to the, one of the first concerts uh, in Shepherd's Bush. Yes. And Brian Epstein invited me. And I had never seen a concert like that. So when all the girls start screaming, Paul, Paul, I said, be quiet. I I wanted to hear the music. So then, of course, later on also, Andy Warhol uh, called me when we were in Rome. And he said, I'm going to have dinner tonight with Bianca Jagger and Mick. You want to come? I said, of course I want to come. So we went, uh, I met uh, Mick and Bianca, and we had dinner and Andy, of course, put a tape recorder right away in the middle of the table. And so everything was uh, taped and that his secretary, Pat Hackett, had to go home and type it and that was the diary of Andy Warhol. <laughs> so yeah, I had, uh, yeah, yes, yes. I I remember in London, when I um, uh, knew that Ursula Andres is at the Dorchester Hotel, I went there with roses and brought her at the door. She opened the door, I gave her the roses, said, you are amazing, and left. So London <laughs> was, uh, for me, <coughs> a place amazing, uh, amazing. I met really nice people. You know, it was also a different time. I mean, that is for 50 years ago. There was, you know, I was 18, 19. Now I'm 77. Lucky number, two times seven. <laughs> and I met all these people. That were uh, Kings Road. The way the people were dressed was new. The model, Jean Shrimpton. Everything, you know, <laughs> was London was swinging. Yes. yeah
0: yeah and it was
1: ringing now it's different, but the whole world is different, and I couldn't believe it that the queen in a green suit came out a couple of days ago, the same queen than me in a swan so I watched that and I liked it I liked it modern technology that they put the carers and they put technology in it that she was sitting in it, but she wasn't. It's amazing. Uh, it's it's amazing great. To see the young queen doing the favorite, waving with her hand out of the little window. Now, yes. And people, yeah, I like London. I hope I go soon to London. And then I will maybe meet you.
0: By all means, sir, you are welcome. If you come to London, you are welcome to come into our studio and and we can chat for as long as you possibly want. Uh, I, I might even get a third question in, uh, which will be which would be. Which well, would be
1: well, excuse me, Chris. Now you have three more
0: questions. <laughs> excellent. Excellent. Well, let me, let me ask you this. We were chatting Udo just before we, uh, before he pressed record and we were talking about how when you first met Gus Van Sant and he asked you to be in my own private Idaho. Yeah. Obviously times were different now. We're talking on Zoom, but back then you had to correspond via letter.
1: Back in the day, of course, it was much more romantic. And famous poet, and you write with an ink pen, make sure because if you write with a regular pen, it may drop something, looks horrible. And as I said, uh, Gus uh, came to me in Berlin and he said, uh, uh, I'm a, My name is Gus Fontan. I have a little film here in competition, which I made for $20,000, but my next film. Is going to be my own private idol, which were Fidesz, Keanu Reeves. Reeves, I had never heard of them, of course, <laughs> at that time in Germany. Yes. And then we start writing letters and letters and letters. And thanks to him, I owe him a lot. Thanks to him, I came to America to do the film in Portland. Uh, and he got, I became a member of the union. I got my work permit. and uh, I came back, I went back, came back for the premiere, and I stayed with a girlfriend, Anna, and I had already uh, the dinner, the last dinner. My suitcase was by the door with my ticket on top, uh, and I wanted to go back. And she said, why don't you stay? I said, no. After a few glasses of red wine, I said, not a bad idea. So I got myself a used German car, a Volkswagen, and then I got a little from the editor from Gas von Sand, he rented me a, a, a room, and that's that's when I started and I had to learn how to do audition. I had never done audition. So then came A to a pet detective, then came all these movies. But uh, that gas is for me the most, one of the most important person, uh, business-wise, in my life. Question number two, Chris.
0: <laughs> okay, Udo. So I I would like to ask about one yes. one director in particular that you've worked with over the last few years, uh, S. Craig Saller. And I wanted to ask specifically about Brawl in Cell Block 99, yes, that chilling like- monologue you have. What are your memories yes. of that?
1: Well, the, the memories, what you just say, is, look, my, you cannot see. Oh, yes, in I my can. Hair, my hair is standing up. When he offered me the part, I said, I cannot say that, that I'm going to destroy the fetus in the stomach of his wife. I said, this is too much for me. But then, you see, uh, I learned over the years, And also Christoph Waltz uh, is in this direction. Uh, It's like, when you say something evil, you have to have fun with it. It's like, you know, it's an excuse. For example, i give you an example. You have a gun and you point it at the other person and shoot. And people say, but I would like to clean my fingernails and I have the gun in front of me, and I look at the person, and I look at my fingernails, and I say, you know, when I'm done, I'm going to kill you. <laughs> and then I'm satisfied with my finger, take the gun back, and everybody says, oh, that was evil. Same thing. <laughs> and I like that scene when I say, you know, you, you will, uh, there will be a little package which will arrive. And maybe with the parts of the fetus of your unborn child, and I was, but uh, it, it it worked very well, and I I like wreck, and uh, you know that was I personally prefer that film to cross uh, 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 across concrete,
0: yeah,
1: uh, because I just had one scene, and it's very hard. To do uh, one scene to be remembered,
0: you know. Absolutely, and uh, and my third and final question, sir, yes. is uh, I want to bring it back to Swan Song because Swan Song.
1: Okay, I hope that's why we <laughs> talk. <man.
0: laughs> Swan Song is uh, we we've, we've you've talked about it. It is such a, a memorable performance for you, such a memorable shoot uh, as well. But I have to ask about the cigarillos that Pat smokes. Was that tough to smoke? They don't look like the best quality cigarillos.
1: Well, they were, they were called moors. And I like my scene when I go to the, uh, uh, to the gas station and I say, two packs of moors. <laughs> <laughs> no, I like, I, because I heard from his friends who taught me all about Pat that he was smoking them. And they also taught me how to smoke with one hand, you hold your elbow, and the other hand, you smoke. Okay. And I, you know, I, I used to smoke cigarettes many, many years ago before I came to America, but then in America, you couldn't smoke anymore. People were looking at you, at you if you uh, do something criminal. And so I stopped smoking, which is good for my health. But uh, I enjoyed it, and I did, of course, uh, inhale it. And I wanted to have that feeling. I didn't say, "Oh, let's go to the pharmacy to get some herbal cigarette and we put some brown more paper around it." No, I wanted to have the real, the real thing. And uh, that was, uh, yeah, more. Give me more, give me more. Yes, that was.
0: (laughs) One more for the road. Uh, One more for the road.
1: Give me one more for the road. And no, I think, and also I want to say, I say something, you didn't ask me. I had amazing time with Linda Evans. Yes. What a professional, professional actress. And uh, Jennifer Cooley also. But also when uh, I met Linda Evans, she wanted to rehearse. So we rehearsed, 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 rehearsed. And then we went next door to do our scene and it became real. There was no acting. That was real when I said, why didn't you come to the funeral of my partner? Why? And she said, well, I was afraid that was all new, this illness. So she was amazing. And Jennifer Cooley is a great comedian, wonderful. So all the actors, you see, sometimes you saw the film. For example, my favorite scene is the old woman in the wheelchair on the corridor at the retirement home when I do her hair. Yeah. And I give her a cigarette and tears are running down her face. Yes. That is, was my moment with this moment.
0: Oh, that's amazing. Oh, That's amazing. Well, Udo, it is a, an incredible performance. Uh, and next time you're in London, anytime you want to come across to the Empire Studios, we can talk until we run out of words.
1: Okay. So make sure we have a good red wine. <laughs> and, <laughs> and I do that. Please have a great... Are uh, you have the evening? What time you have?
0: Uh, it is 6.30. 6.30. Well,
1: that's okay. That's it's okay. still okay. It's a lot of traffic in town, but it's,
0: it's okay. It's fine. It's fine. There's some, there's some evenings still to enjoy. Uh, Udo, it has been an absolute pleasure. Thank you so much for your time. And, uh, and uh, best of luck with everything. And hopefully see you soon, sir.
1: Also to you, too. And thank you very much.
0: And that was Udo Kier. I hope you enjoyed it. There are so many more things I wanted to ask that man. You know, I wanted to pick up on what he said about playing Hitler four times. What does that mean? What is that like for a German actor who was born under duress at the end of World War II to play Hitler four times? Really dig into that. It's fascinating stuff. I wanted to ask more about the incredible directors he's worked with over his career, many of whom we didn't even mention. I wanted to ask more about the Beatles and all those people that he met in the 1960s and 1970s, these incredible names that he was dropping at the drop of a hat. And I wanted to ask more, of course, about Blade. I mean, who doesn't want to know more about Blade? But anyway, maybe another time. Maybe one day Udo can hopefully make his way to the Empire Pod booth so we can have an even longer chat. Because as you heard, you don't so much interview Udo here; you just say hello and then he goes where he wants. Had a blast. Anyway, Swan Song, which I thoroughly recommend, is in cinemas right now and I'm delighted to report that it's far from being Udo's swan song. If anything, he's just getting started. Anyway, that is it for this interview special. Regular podcast is out every Friday, of course. And if you want to subscribe to our spoiler specials, you can do so at empire.supportingcast.fm for just 2 a month or 32 99 a year. All right, shameless plug's over. That's it for me. Thank you so much for listening. See you next time. Bye.